Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen. Daily, we bring you insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg. With us this morning, this half hour, Richard Greenfield joins us of BTIG on the state of media, the state of content. Paul Sweeney will join us uh, later in this hour as we celebrate the oddest book of the year I've ever done. John Farrell, last year I did Ken Rogoff's The Curse of Cash. Was that Prussian as India tried to do away with cash? That was a great book. Ken Rogoff with a brave book. He got death threats off it. Uh, Literally, I'm not sure if Scott Galloway has death threats. The Four... The hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. This is a controversial book. A lot of hatreds for this book. A lot of celebration of it as well. And the professor from NYU with Rich Greenfield joins us right now. Scott Galloway, congratulations. Have you had any death threats off the four? Uh, first off, thanks, Tom. That means a lot coming from you, but uh, n- no death threats. Some death threats from my family and wife when I was writing this book, <laughs> none so far since it came out. It is a different book. It is not MBA 101 or Business Light 101. I'm going to suggest it's a book Rich Greenfield can read to look at these guys tangential to his media world. Is Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, in the next 10 years, are they going to be media companies that Rich Greenfield has to study? You know, look, I think the, the question is, is this whole idea of what's a media company has, you know, pretty dramatically shifted. Uh, you know, it was pretty easy to define what's a media company, if you know, call it seven, 10 years ago. I think now that the question is, is all of these sectors are, are converging. Yeah. Um, I think you have to add communications in, too. I mean, when you look at Facebook and Snapchat and the, the way people are communicating using these platforms, I, I think it's even broader right. uh, than just media and technology. I think you really have to lump in in communications into there. And look, when you've got companies like AT&T, phone companies trying to buy media companies, yeah. uh, obviously all of this is converging. And obviously, regulation plays a big role, and we can certainly get to that. But, you know, I think the reality is what is so stunning is when you think about the fact that Apple could buy virtually every legacy media company for cash. So as these new companies get into this sector, they don't seem to really have too much interest in buying any of these companies. They're using their balance sheets, and they're basically trying to disrupt and or replace these companies using the strength of their cash balance sheets, cash-rich balance sheets, to go in and basically recreate or create their own content without the need for these right. legacy companies to exist. And that's what's so scary for all of these companies. Well, we've got – it's a fascinating hour here. Paul Sweeney will join us later. Mr. Greenfield with us through the hour. We'll dive into the book after the 8.30 economic data. But, Scott Galloway, I've got to go to the inflammatory comment you made last week, which is break these guys up. Break up Apple, break up Facebook, Google, Amazon. Discuss that. Why do we need to break up these companies? Nobody agrees with you. Uh, Because we're capitalists, and key to capitalism is full-body contact competition on the field. And I feel the markets are failing when uh, consumer company stocks go way up or way down. The most likely indicator or signal of that move or volatility is the underlying performance 
of the stock or the markets or the company and the markets out there. The second most likely signal is what Amazon is or isn't doing. We now have a Amazon singularity in the markets where all consumer stocks are moving corresponding to what Amazon is or isn't doing. And I think one of the components of robust markets is that no one company has too much control. And the yeah. question I put forward to skeptics is, are we better in an ecosystem with Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google, or an ecosystem with Amazon, AWS, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Apple, iTunes, Google, and YouTube? I know what my answer is. Scott, conceptually, that's, that's an answer that makes sense. But for the regulator, what's the argument they actually have at this point to really push on the buttons of the likes of Amazon, etc., to stop growing so fast? Uh, monopoly concentration power. People people tend to the primary line of defense is that if it's good for the consumer, we leave it alone. And people point at Amazon and say, "How can you say it's not good for the consumer given the low prices?" But what are the markets telling us when a company is trading at sixty times EBITDA regarding its future monopoly or pricing power? So one, there's monopoly power or the formation or appearance of what seems to be monopoly power, and two, restraint of trade. Try and be an app that gets any. It gets out of the crib when you have Facebook with six of the top ten apps and programs that go out and identify features of apps that are getting traction and immediately kills them. Try to get out of get out of the crib when you're Spotify and Apple yeah. puts Apple Music an inferior product on their front screen and then charges you a thirty percent tax for the access to the billion uh, Apple devices. So I think we have incredible restraint of trade and monopoly. So I, I think there's a lot of the, the only thing I would say. Go in, Rich. Go on. The only thing I the only thing I would say is you know from the standpoint of you know look the government just approved Amazon's purchase of Whole Foods uh, without even really blinking an eye uh, and so it doesn't seem like they have any interest in pursuing breakups of these companies. I also kind of wonder what would a breakup look like you know when you think about a company like Facebook what would you actually break up? It's not clear kind of what parts of some of these companies, even if you wanted to pursue that, uh, which I don't think this current government appears to, but if you did, it's not clear exactly what you would do. Like, what would you remove that would break their market power? Um, You know, the, the problem is, you know, I don't know what application, what what part of Facebook could you remove? You know, I guess with 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 Amazon, what would you do? You would you separate AWS? I mean, it's not clear how you weaken these companies um, given their size right now. So, Scott, what would you do? Well, I think I think it's a really good point. First off, I don't think it's going to happen. It's going to come from Washington. I don't think the current administration has the will or the domain expertise, quite frankly, to take on big tech. I think they're I think they're outgunned. I think it'll start with a kind of a red state attorney general and most likely it'll come out of come out of Brussels. As to what you would do, I think Facebook is one of the easier mm-hmm. ones. I think Apple's the one that's tough to figure out because who would get domain over the brand with Facebook and again I'm I'm not an economist, but Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram feels like pretty clean breakup to me. Would you Snapchat is going away. It's the walking right. dead. And it was a viable third competitor. Would <laughs> Well, the reason they're going away is because Zuckerberg has several different weapons against them. I think Facebook, Instagram, and Messenger are separate companies yeah. would be a more a healthier ecosystem. I, I want to get to the next block. Rich Greenfield teases forward on that. Coco is the film of the moment, film of the weekend. I believe it's at $100 million large. It's, it's released by Walt Disney Pictures for Pixar. Can, can, create, can the creation stuff that you follow, can Amazon do that? Can can Facebook or Google create content like in the greenfield world? Well, I mean, look, I think there's certainly proof that just because 
um, you're a new entrant doesn't mean you can't have success. I mean, I think, you know, remember a little four and a half years ago, there was no original programming on Netflix. Now there is more original programming yeah. than anyone on the, any of us, you know, talking right now um, could possibly watch. And so, you know, Netflix is just beginning to get into their own animation. Right. You know, they, they're building out. They actually hired someone senior from DreamWorks Animation, and they're building out a true U.S. Um, or a true global animation studio. They've got thirty. Japanese anime projects in production. So they're doing all forms of animation for their global footprint. They're by far the furthest along in kind of building a new animation unit. Uh, but we've certainly seen it. I mean, look what Chris Melendondry's done in building up Illumination. Before that, he built up Blue Sky right. for Fox. Now he's doing Illumination well, for Universal. I don't think animation is solely in Disney's domain. Uh, I think yeah. the reality is, is when you look at the global footprints of companies like Netflix, and obviously you're talking about Apple and Amazon, the ability to leverage those platforms and go out and hire and spend the money hire on the great yeah. content. Yeah. It, I mean, well, that's where it gets really scary for companies like Disney is that you've yeah. got new entrants with global platforms that are going out trying to disrupt their business model. So right now, that that kind of animation prowess is safe, but I think if right. you look at over the next three to five years, okay. I, I think that's where you really end up at risk. Let's do let's do this. Let's come back with Rich Greenfield and Scott Galloway. And yes, we're going to look at Amazon uh, as it uh, goes into the medical business as well. Book of the year, the four. By Scott Galloway. The only reason we could get Rich Greenfield on is, is if he would brief Scott Galloway. Uh, Mr. Galloway with us, Professor Galloway, his book, The Four is my book of the year. It is absolutely phenomenal on this technological thing that we're dealing with around Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google. Rich Greenfield, within your world, and I guess it goes over to CVS Aetna as well, define for Professor Galloway what a vertical merger is, a vertical transaction, a vertical horizon. What What is vertical in the entertainment world like Disney Fox or this Fox, that Fox? Well, look, the, the government is, is, is at least appears to be focused on, um, you know, if you're looking about the media world, you've got producers of content or creators of content to take that of uh, Disney. You've got um, platforms that distribute content uh, in channeled ways. So think of a Comcast, think of a DirecTV, uh, and, and then you you know have um, you know kind of national distribution platforms. Think of things like AT and T Wireless or Verizon Wireless. Uh, but you know, it, Tom, the, the problem here is is this whole kind of definition of distribution is getting really fuzzy. Netflix has 100 million subscribers all over the world, and they use the Internet. Um, is that distribution? Amazon has probably 60-plus million Prime subscribers domestically, probably 100 around the world. Is that distribution? Google has and Apple have the phones that everybody uses all over the world. Is that distribution? And so 
you know, the question is, you know, AT&T is being sued because it not only owns DirecTV and AT&T Wireless, but it wants to buy Time Warner, which owns Warner Brothers and HBO. Yet at the same time, companies like Netflix are making their own content. Apple starting to make its own content. Google, YouTube are making their own content. Yeah, It's getting really hard to understand what is and isn't allowed. And so um, I think that's one of the real fears we have is that if you don't like AT&T, Time Warner, should Amazon be allowed to make content? Should Apple be stopped from making content? You know, how do you draw the line? Is it okay to make content but not buy content if you're a large distribution platform? It is this whole AT&T Time Warner lawsuit raises far bigger questions. Forget about that deal itself. What it means to the overall ecosystem is what really concerns us and more than anything confuses us. Well, do you think, Scott Galloway, there needs to be an appreciation on the regulator's side that the likes of Walt Disney, the likes of 21st Century Fox aren't just competing with each other. They're competing with the upcoming tech companies that are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Rich is absolutely right. I mean, let me understand this. AT&T with 120 million subscribers and 30 direct million direct TV and Turner and HBO has to break up. But Amazon with 62% of households with Prime and the second largest spender in original content of four and a half billion, second only to Netflix, uh, shouldn't be broken up. We have Apple and Google, each with a billion and two billion devices in terms of distribution and then tens of millions of songs, yeah. original content, billions of dollars in distribution. But AT&T needs to sell Adult Swim. One of two <laughs> things is happening here. This proposed merger or the blocking of AT&T and Time Warner is either insane or we have woken up to the, a reality that we should have broken up Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google five years ago. So, Scott, why is this going under the radar in D.C.? Why is this not being picked up? I, I genuinely think big tech. Well, okay, Amazon, 77 full-time lobbyists and the ultimate prophylactic against any movement to break them up called the Washington Post. I think these guys are smarter than everybody else and have wrapped themselves in a sheep's clothing. And guys like me are afraid to come out of the closet and feel as if we're going to be called socialists or worse, European, by suggesting that we should hold them to the same level of scrutiny we hold the rest of business. This has been hugely valuable. Scott Galloway will stay with us. We really want to continue with this book, The Four. Rich Greenfield, thank you so much for changing your schedule to be with us today. Really honored that you could be with us. Uh, With maybe where these four companies are going on Disney, we'll get Mr. Greenfield on again for some careful talk about Disney, Fox, and the media world. Mr. Greenfield is with BTIG. Markets on the move up 13. Dow Futures up 198. It's a really risk-on feel off of the legislation of Friday. Who knows what the news flow will bring uh, today. Uh, We're here in celebration of Scott Galloway, my book of the year, The Four, The Hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. Whatever your walk of life is, whatever you're doing, Global Wall Street, you're just somebody listening to the show who um, is curious about what we do every day. I really can't say... Of any book I've ever mentioned, summer reading, winter reading, book of the year, The Four is the most accessible, important book I've seen in ages. We will continue with Scott Galloway of NYU.
And with us uh, quickly here, Scott Galloway, professor at NYU. And right now we're just going to dive into his book, Amazon Scott. I guess we're seeing the biggest healthcare merger since ever because after the cloud, Jeff Bezos is going to go into pharmaceuticals with CVS and Aetna and all that. Do you buy the idea that Amazon can just do it in anything they want to do? Can they become the nation's pharmacist? Well, Amazon can not only do whatever they want to do, they can begin uh, or they can do what I would refer to as Jedi mind tricks. And that is they can just whisper hints they might do something and stocks begin to move. So they just hint that they might be in prescription business, CVS and Walgreens up, down, uh, open up, down uh, four and five percent by the afternoon that same day. Manufacturers drug stocks are down when they announced the acquisition of Whole Foods in between the time they announced it and when it closed, the largest pure play grocer Kroger lost a third of its values. The question isn't what business will they be in. The question is what consumer businesses won't they be in. Scott, at this point, reading your book, one of the many reasons I love it is just the immediate impact you give the reader around the scale of these companies. And I turn to the chapter on Amazon on page 14. 52% of households in America have Amazon Prime. 49% own a landline. We're talking absolutely massive now. And my question to you, Scott, is where is Amazon biting off more than it can chew? Well... (laughs) It, it, it appears they're get, just getting started eating. It, 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 Amazon has blown out the traditional notion from C.K. Prahala of core competence. I mean, what is Amazon's core competence? I would argue it's storytelling, but we haven't seen a company go into so many different sectors and basically win. Even if you look at where they compete against the other three, Google, Facebook, and Apple, wherever they bump up against the other three, they're winning. So this notion that they're soon going to find a bridge too far, so far it hasn't happened. They make mistakes, but they retreat, they dust off their pants, and they come back harder. And how hard are they going to come back? If you look at the situation with retail at the moment, what I thought was interesting in the previous conversation is how easily the Whole Foods merger went through. How are the others going to react to this, Scott? And can they challenge what Amazon is trying to do? I think in many ways, it's uh, there'll always be retailers that will break through. There's there's a lot of innovation out there. But in terms of what is between Amazon and being the first trillion-dollar market cap company, I don't see anything but regulation. You have a company that's partnered with a half a billion consumers and fanatical investors to provide it with infinitely cheap capital armed with distribution. Mm-hmm. And now what is 62% of households and they own 70% of voice and 45% of the fastest growing channel and the largest consumer market in the right. world. And that's e-commerce. Scott, one of the important things here, which permeates the book, the four again, folks, my book of the year is this idea of when they get older, they'll become like we are when we're older. What is your research? What is your study of younger people and their Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google consumption? And will they shift when they hit 50? Will they shift when they hit 60? So only a hundred, of the 100 companies in the Dow 100, uh, 100, 100 years ago, only 11 are still alive. So the mortality rate gets higher and higher among companies. But with respect to aging, of the 14 companies that have outperformed the S&P through 2011 through 16, five years in a row, and there's only 13 or 14 of them, nine of them have one thing in common, and that is they age in reverse. They use, they use agile technologies, technologies and networking business models to get younger. So every time you use Gap, uh, every time you use Google, every time you do Amazon reviews, every time you download a song and rate it on Apple, 
the product gets better. Whereas the economic titans of yesterday, when a car rolled off the assembly line, when we twisted the cap off a tube of toothpaste, they begin to age. The companies of our era adding billions of dollars in shareholder value are Benjamin Button companies aging in reverse. Interesting. Scott Galloway, thank you so much. Congratulations on a controversial book. This is so different than the usual professorial MBA-like book. Uh, It has got some huge substance to it, whether you agree or disagree with it. The lead sentence, John Farrow, Chapter 6, Lie to Me. Stealing is a core competence of high-growth tech firms. That is just a window into the controversy Scott Galloway engenders. Uh, with the four, Jan, what you took a look at this book? What do you think of it? I think Am it's I a truly really fantastic book. I think yes, he's. I did okay. I think he did great. I think he's ahead of the curve, and I think he's ahead of the curve because of the following reason: this isn't on the horizon of investors and analysts yet. They're not feeling in any kind of risk around these companies being broken up, getting too big, into any kind of estimate or into any kind of analysis of these companies. These companies have got bigger, and their valuations have got much, much bigger. Ahead of next year, and I just wonder when it turns, Tom. I wonder when it turns and it starts to matter in terms of the bottom line, because right now it hasn't. There it is. We had fun with this. Thanks to our team for putting this together. Again, Paul Sweeney will be joining us. Scott Galloway will continue with us uh, with Mr. Uh, Sweeney. Thrilled to have Professor Galloway with us uh, today. We're the Scott Galloway of New York University, NYU. His book, The Four, The Hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, required read for Global Wall Street, required read for all of us as we are hugely influenced by these four juggernauts. Paul Sweeney joins us running all of Bloomberg Intelligence. Paul, give us a clinic here uh, for Professor Galloway. Gross profit, forget about revenue, gross profit at Amazon is twice as large as Disney, but their EBITDA down the income statement, is almost the same. Why is Mr. Iger so much afeard of Mr. Bezos if they're minting the same money? Well, I think it's because uh, Jeff Bezos and Amazon uh, you know, has a, just a tremendous amount of top-line revenue growth, which allows uh, the company to continually reinvest in the business, uh, most notably in uh, you know, their distribution, their shipping, their logistics, uh, to you know, try to get closer to their customers. And so they have been able, they being Amazon has been able to really condition the marketplace into accepting these very high levels of either expenses or investment in the company, depending upon how you want to look at it. But certainly from the company's perspective, they are investing in the company, investing in their service, investing in their platform, all at the expense of near-term profit. Um, and mm-hmm. it has clearly uh, been the case where Jeff Bezos has been able to condition the marketplace that that is the path yeah. best chosen. Scott Galloway, where is Amazon in five years? I read every word of your chapter on Amazon, and the growth is frightening. How big are they in five years? Well, I think they'll be smaller because I think what's going to happen is Amazon's going to announce the equivalent of Prime Squared, where they get into zero-click artificial intelligence-driven Retail, where for the 90% of your purchases that are low consideration and recurring, they will just ship them without your permission, and you'll like it. They're working on technology to get into your house and into your refrigerator. 
I believe when they announce this program that you'll manicure using this butler that follows you around your house called Alexa. You'll say, Alexa, dinner party for seven. Alexa, send me four quotes for auto insurance via email. They'll run a test. They'll take prime households from an average of $1,300 a year to 7000 The stock will become anti-gravity. It'll burst through a trillion dollars in market cap, our society yeah. is going to freak out and we're going to break them up and the company will be smaller in five years. How do you respond to that, Paul Sweeney? I mean, that is that is one of the Galloway theses that makes headlines. But is it valid to a financial guy like you? Uh, it is. I think in the technology world, um, you know, we've seen regulatory risk as a, a, a material risk for a lot of these tech companies going all the way back, you know, to Microsoft 20, 25 years ago, starting in the European Union. So as companies, I think as investors take a look at some of these business models and, uh, you know, as Professor Galloway suggested, the big four here, you know, their, their run rates, just if you take a look at their businesses are, are just so long. Uh, the only risk that really investors kind of keep in the back yeah. of their mind and it's in the way back of their mind is regulatory risk. We might see it first in Europe though. That's kind of where we typically see a lot of the pushback initially. Uh, Dr. Galloway, you mentioned that earlier that Europe is maybe at the margin, the regulation leader. To me, they're very separate. How linked is U.S. Washington regulation with Brussels? That's a fair question, Tom, and I'm not sure I have a good answer, but what's clear is well, I believe in the U.S. that we're net gainers on the whole, despite, mm -hmm. despite all the downside, job destruction, privacy concerns, tax avoidance. We're net gainers in the U.S. But in Europe, there are very few university buildings or hospital wings named after Facebook or Google billionaires, yet they register all of the downside. So a fraction of the upside with all of the downside, that stiffened the backbones of the regulators. You're about to see Marguerite Vestager go gangster on these four. It's the war against big tech, it's going to break out where all the major conflicts of the 20th century have broken out. It's going to break out in continental Europe. Very interesting to see. And I must admit, I've amended my thoughts on that through the year as well. And now we rip up the script as we are wont to do at Bloomberg Surveillance. Scott Galloway, I looked at the index of the four, not an area, a word of Bitcoin. Have you studied Bitcoin? Have you lectured to the cherubs on Bitcoin? My guess is there's a rather big divide between the professor and the studenti. You know, it's, it, the, the reality is, Tom, is I don't fully understand it. The only thing I can discern from it is that it's an inversely correlated uh, trust meter on our uh, government. When we start having senators who've been banned from malls, Bitcoin goes up. I think it's a belief that we no longer uh, have confidence in our governments and the fiat currencies they back. And so we find a currency that is not backed by government. I think it's a mistrust index. Paul Sweeney, is Bloomberg Intelligence going to devote assets to the study of separately Bitcoin as currency value with your great currency teams or cryptocurrency in the processes of digital space? Uh, we are. And uh, I think we would step back and look at it just as a whole context of you know blockchain and, and kind of what that means across various industries we're looking at that starting with obviously the financial services industry um, and the question is you know do you are you in the Jamie Diamond camp uh, which uh, obviously he is not a believer at all in, in Bitcoin specifically but I think blockchain is something that is clearly something in the marketplace and um, and I think from yeah. a technology to a consumer uh, services to uh, you know financial services uh, I think it's going to be very impactful and that's what our analysts are looking at at the moment Scott Galloway what do Amazon Apple Facebook and Google do about blockchain? Do they take it in? Does Google take it in and use it worldwide? I mean, how do they handle that? 
It's an interesting question, Tom. I would argue that the companies that are most at risk, based on my understanding of blockchain, and I agree with Paul that that's where the real innovation here is with the blockchain, are ledger-based businesses such as large accounting firms or financial services. I mean, Jamie Dimon has good reason to hate anything crypto or blockchain, because if you look at where the disruption could potentially really take an industry, it's financial services. Scott Galloway, we're going to leave it there. We're going to continue with Paul here for a bit more, but thank you, thank you so much. And Scott Galloway, folks, surprised me. I knew he had a book coming out, but I had no idea the, the effect it would have on about these four companies that are part of each of our everyday lives. Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, the four. It is a lovely brief read of some 250 pages. Scott Galloway, my book of the year, uh, the four. And a major shout out to Kenneth Rogoff of Harvard with my book of the year last year, The Curse of Cash, which was a hugely brave book done at some truly physical peril uh, to Professor Rogoff as well. Paul Sweeney in the news, sort of, kind of like today, another, another round of Disney and Fox I mean, come on, you're at the meeting with these players. Is this going to happen? It's interesting. It's uh, This is one of the bigger weeks of the year for the media industry. This is the week of the UBS Media Conference. It's yeah. in its 45th year. I'll be heading down to the, the, the those meetings today, and it's going to be very interesting to see how people are kind of stewing all this around. But I think the biggest news that's come out of the media s- uh, sector, which has been rife with uh, disruption over the last several years, is the fact that Rupert Murdoch is actually considering breaking up his company. We never, I don't think anybody uh, who's followed this sector for the last 30 years would think that they would uh, ever see that day. So I think that day may be here. If it is here, then there are plenty of viable buyers uh, that would be looking at these assets. And obviously the most notable yeah. ones are Disney, Comcast, and uh, Verizon. But I suspect <clears throat> there might be others yeah. as well. What have you learned from your experts on CVS Aetna? What is the, the heart, the, the, the research theme of Bloomberg Intelligence on this 240-some million, billion dollar yeah, I think this, you know, as we see it across a number of industries, but this is one's being driven by, you know, all the change that's taking place uh, in the healthcare industry. And when there's change taking place, uh, a lot of times, one of the trends you see is consolidation scale, the need for scale, the need for vertical yeah. integration. And that's kind of what I think we're seeing here. So it's it's a new model, um, but it's one where the balance sheets seem to support it here. So we'll, and the stocks seem to as well. Yeah, well, your Drew Armstrong was very good this morning. Uh, as as well. Paul Sweeney, thank you so much with Bloomberg Intelligence, not only his expertise in media, but running all of our different affairs. It's a huge group and grows each and every year the commitment of Bloomberg to trying to do thorough, non-buy, non-hold, non-sell securities research. Mr. Sweeney, thank you. And again, a great thanks to Rich Greenfield of BTIG, who um, on it with a really tight uh, schedule joined us with Mr. Galloway this morning as we celebrate the four, the hidden DNA of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. It's my enthusiastic book of the year. Uh, there were many others that we looked at, but the four is just absolutely original. And I might point out, controversial. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Subscribe and listen to interviews on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. I'm on Twitter at Tom Keen. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide on Bloomberg Radio.